1: Have you seen the South Park made in China? Yes, I have seen the South Park. Oh made my
2: in China. gosh! It's How so amazing was that? Great. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. like the NBA is the best yeah. part about it.
1: Hart and LeBron on the plane going to China, like days before the China <laughs> thing happened. How like I still can't believe they should win like an Emmy just for that, like predictive
2: power. Like, oh, that was absolutely. incredible. It was so. Oh, Mallory, we Mallory need to get who Mallory hates Darius Garland. On. Oh, he does. Him. Why? Um. Well, I mean, besides the fact that he's a terrible player, <laughs> so Darius I mean, I Garland. I has loved
1: terrible players before. Hasn't? Well, that's he?
2: true. That's true. How could you not love Dion Waiters? Yeah, I know. I love Dion. I want. Yeah, Dion I mean, back. I I would vastly prefer Dion to Darius Garland. He is. I want I, Dion back? At least Dion would have had a. I don't know. He was funny. <laughs> he was funny. He. <laughs> he was entertaining. I like every time I hear someone yell and one, I just <laughs> uh think of Dion. I was I went to the Y last week and embarrassed myself of being Festival? Yes, far too over with high school players and
1: Yes. No 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 no. Do not say that. That's exactly no, what no, you no no,
2: you Tom, you've not seen me. I'm insane. Like I'm picking up thirty feet from the basket and and intentional fouling guys if they get by me like it's ridiculous how nuttily competitive i get and i'm like trash talking and like but i'm not even any good because i'm old and fat so it's just like you can't give you that guy can't go left he can't go left he can't shoot and then they would like like drill a 30 footer or and you'd finish left and then the we finally like everybody got so tired of my ridiculous anti competit over competitiveness that everybody was just like totally just screwing around. And my team came back from being done like 13, 10 or three to 10 and we were playing at 15 and it was like tied at fifth 5- at 14 all. And then this kid just shoots. this like 26 footer and I'm in his grill and I kind of knock him off balance again. And it goes in, he goes and one, <laughs> 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 and i was like oh jesus well i loved i loved how you were <laughs> well, and like... here's the worst part about like these kids actually <laughs> probably go to high school with my daughter so my
1: odds oh, of soon seeing now them you're somewhere them else
2: yet. yeah i probably show up and be her pr- it's uh you still there yeah yeah it's uh it, it was ridiculous um, but but that rage is what fueled my uh, recap last night. My my over competitiveness and my want to see actual competitive basketball. Call me crazy, that I don't want to root for team building. You know, I want to actually uh, watch a basketball game. I want it to be the National yeah. Basketball Association, not the National Draft Pick and Asset Collection Association. Um, yeah, and Team Bandit- Building Association. Let's start stand- in fantasy association <laughs> yeah let's start crappy players so we can get a better draft pick association yeah well we may not have any choice at this point oh, the, you, you, the, the Cavs have choices i mean come on that they, they literally have the shortest back they i need to do some research but i would be willing to bet you they probably have the shortest lineup in the nba
1: oh yeah well definitely i mean one of the game that i was at that's really why they lost is they could not get a defensive rebound in the yeah. fourth quarter. There was a play where Giannis got like four boards to himself under the hoop. And he finally just like slammed home a furious two handed dunk. And it just, you could just feel like, yeah, one team when they want to can just be more physical, longer, taller jumps higher. Mm-hmm. The Cavs really struggle. I mean, I thought Kevin Love got pushed around a lot, too. and
2: Yeah, um, well, but... he definitely, ever since he hurt his back, he's been pretty darn ginger. Uh, yeah. Not really wanting to exert a lot of effort. And David Wood emailed tonight basically saying, I just saw the box score. Was Kevin Love just standing there the whole game? And yeah, well, the, the Love, answer was I... yes. That is what Kevin Love was doing a lot of the game. Okay, I we think... finally have Ryan. like what is an internet kill switch for your vpn okay vpn virtual private i know network. what a vpn is <laughs> okay <laughs> i okay, don't well, know what an internet kill switch is <laughs> all
3: right so one of the uses for vpn is to you know illegally download stuff
2: oh and yeah and you put in your a different country code or whatever and right. and you can get an nba stream for free etc
3: Right, and so when you're doing that, you set up an internet kill switch. So if the VPN crashes for some reason, it knocks you offline. So that oh yeah 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 I know what you're talking about something and then get like a and then get you know yelled at by your cable provider. So
2: the man can't track you. Exactly. Okay, got it. Now I didn't know. See, (laughs) I only use my VPN for legitimate purposes. Toiling away as a wage slave. It was an accident. it was set up that way. Oh, Accident. (laughs) I see. I see. So, uh, yeah, we have Ryan Yankee, and um, we were just talking about uh, we spent a lot of time BSing because we didn't actually want to talk about this game. But uh, the Cavs, yeah, they lost by what was the final score here? 110-88. A 22-point loss was actually a bit of a moral victory because they were down by 29 at one point. I believe
1: um, they have the worst point differential in the league now.
2: Well, they ought to because, as Tom and I were just talking <laughs> They've they, earned it. <laughs> they also have the worst height differential. Yeah, they um, do. I, it's true. Don't they describe. have to have the shortest lineup in the NBA. I mean, yeah. the starting lineup, they don't feature a guy over 6'9". And they have two guards. Well, oh yeah.
1: Line. I i don't know. I, that whole Larry Nance remeasuring seemed a little crazy because I was – Watching him during the game, and I'm like, how the hell is Larry Nance like six eight? Like they're saying, because he looked taller than everyone else.
3: I, I don't no, know. they cut him to
1: six seven. Re- yeah, Re- I, I don't believe it because I mean, well, LeBron, well, LeBron I, gained. Did, it's well, so LeBron, crazy, but you H-9. know,
2: LeBron was hanging on a rack like <laughs> upside down, <laughs> like with his Thinking ankles H-G-H. suspended. Just H-G-H. yeah, the HGH drip. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just so that um he he would measure taller like who's it uh played for the Cavs and always had his toe on the line Oh, I mean that J.R. Take Smith your cold, pick. cold cocked when he was on the on the subject. Oh,
0: J. Crowder, J. Crowder, <laughs> Jay
2: Crowder. Yes. when he was at yeah, the combine, like yeah, he was always telling the line, "Oh God, that's such a great." Somehow gained three inches in a measurement between like three days. Like, how does that even happen? Like, was he just in like on a planet with higher gravity or something before he got measured? J.
1: Crowder. Yeah, see, Jay Crowder. The
3: LeBron thing, though, I can see making a little bit of sense because he hired all the people to help him with his back stuff. I can totally believe he does like some kind of inversion therapy. Oh, I'm sure he does. pressure from his spine. So he seriously could have just hung upside down for 20 minutes. He probably just got like gets and...
2: spun around in a centrifuge for, <laughs> <laughs> for like um, 10 minutes every day just to stretch mm-hmm. himself out. I'm not sure how that would help, but sure, why not? <laughs> I I don't know. I think if there's a wacky fitness thing, LeBron's probably done it. So,
3: if you're going to advocate centrifuges, I'm going back to my uh, alkali water thing. I, I mean, if it
2: <laughs> if it comes to fitness and recovery technology or hair replacement technology, LeBron has tried it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, let's just be honest. He's
1: not doing so hot in the hair replacement
2: technology. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he should get all with the Trump. money
2: all of the money in the world
1: can't seem to help him
2: there. I know, and it it's like he just needs to let it go. Yeah. Like, just go full on. That would be the move like the the reveal in uh Space Jam two should be that like when he needs to get his power to beat the monsters, he he shaves it all down. Like Jordan. Oh, that would be funny. And like Jordan like hands him the torch or something.
1: Yeah, he would never he would I never poke fun at himself like that though, but that would be funny.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, oh no i'm not talking about funny i'm talking about like super serious <laughs> you yeah, know give, in a bugs bunny movie <laughs>
3: yeah right right i'll give lebron a little bit of credit for poking fun itself in what was that movie Trainwreck? yeah or whatever where he played kind of a goofy version of himself yeah God, I mean, have you seen him this year wise, he's an absolute
2: anything. tank this year he is. He just yeah. is a beast right now. Yeah. Like He looks like he spent the entire offseason in the weight room. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he is. He is.
1: I mean, he answered the question, what can LeBron look like with, like, not going to the playoffs? I, I kind of saw this coming, to be honest with you. I did not think the Lakers would be good, but I thought LeBron was going to be kind of crazy. Yeah, but last time I parted with you, didn't you
3: say that they weren't going to make the playoffs? Yeah, I did. Yes, no, I seriously we did,
2: thought that. We were I were probably. That. Probably wrong, I, and we clearly just, overestimated the Warriors, who have yeah. em, have embarked on the greatest tanking campaign since this the '97 Spurs. Spurs. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, I, I,
1: I did think LeBron would be good, though. But no, I thought the Lakers would be a train wreck just because I didn't think they have enough depth. But LeBron's playing like an MVP. Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP, and other guys are serviceable. So, yeah. yeah. Well,
3: I have to think they look really good. good stepped up well with LeBron and people yeah. kind of worry about the too many passers thing. But that's never a thing. <laughs> well, I agree. And I really thought that the two of them will give LeBron an excuse to actually be a cutter and not have to have the ball all the time. Yeah. which yeah. off the ball. Off the
1: ball LeBron is somehow the most dominant LeBron. He just never wants to do it. Yeah. But well, I figured because he doesn't trust other people to get him yeah. the ball. When no, he's, he's going doesn't. to the open. He doesn't. But do, you, do you remember off-the-ball LeBron when, like, Delhi was in PNRs? And the Cavs were <laughs> like, Dele like
2: would throw seven points a, per a lob from, like, 20 feet away, and it would be like he would purposely throw, like, a terrible lob so Le- LeBron would just have to jump out of the gym to go get it. <laughs> no, he
1: was usually doing a PNR with someone else, and then if he did it with LeBron, it was just crazy because we had, like, Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson, J.R. Smith, we had all these forty percent three point shooters, and the Cavs offense was just completely unstoppable. Basically, the Cavs offense was like the greatest offense of all time until they hit the Warriors. I mean, it was yeah. it was crazy what they did in like seventeen, eighteen playoffs.
2: Yeah, no, I I mean it was to me four of the greatest playoffs ever. Yeah.
3: I mean, well, and then you look at LeBron catching the passes from Love, which obviously his outlet passes don't work nearly as well when he doesn't have LeBron as a receiver. Yeah. Well, you know
2: who was uh, great and, at that too was J.R. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny how so you start two to... six-one guys and it's harder to catch outlet passes. I, call me crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and surprisingly, the only person that can catch him is Jetty. Um,
2: no, the other guy is uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who was a sure. dunk machine tonight. Yeah, we're Kpj might be the best two-handed dunking non-big man in the association right now. Wow,
1: that is like the tweet with uh,
2: (laughs) your your boy
1: Thad Young. Bad young, yeah. <laughs> like the most the most specific and a clear
2: qualified selection
1: of qualifiers.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you know who is not a good offense is the Cavs, who were seven of thirty one from three tonight, nine of nineteen from the line from the free throw line, thirty Wait,
1: wait. Nine of 19 from the
2: free throw line? Yeah, yeah, well.
1: What the heck is going on? TT
2: went 1 of 7. That was most of it. Oh,
1: 1 of 7.
2: Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he was struggling for sure. Um, and I'm going to see what they're shooting on the season because I got to think their ranking on the season like is than- Cavs rank. Three-point shooting. <laughs> Hot. Search engine action on Cavs the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but I did look up something effect. earlier, and Darius Garland my mechanical is mechanical keyboard. Probably the worst uh, player that's getting any minutes in terms of BPM box plus minus in the association. Oh,
1: box plus minus. Come on, Nate.
2: Well, they don't. There's not enough out there for. There's not enough uh, data like, for RPM he's like,
1: yet. He's like PER then.
2: Oh, come on. Blocks plus minus is better than PER.
1: Blocks plus minus is trying to model wrap them from box score <laughs> stats. It has one purpose, and that's to take pre-1996 players which we don't have lineup data on and make apples to apples attempt with plus minus data. That's it. That's the
3: <laughs> only use case, Nate.
2: Thank you.
1: Well,
3: that's so harsh on tanking teams that
2: well, that is also true. Like it, just the because those um, stats cannot measure effort, you do have yeah. to go by the eye test a lot. Um, but the Cavs at before tonight were fifth in the association with a thirty three point five percent, fifth worst uh, f- three point percentage. Um, they are. Fifth worst on field goal percentage, and I think we all know they rate dead last in assists in the NBA. Mm. So, yeah,
3: I don't know the stat now, but what's really depressing too is the turnovers because I think the last time I did a pod with you guys, I think the Cavs were fourth or fifth in the league in turnovers per game. Like good, not you know, not the most, but rather the least. And I can't even believe they're not in the bottom five now.
2: Well, when no one cuts. And everybody just stands around on offense. It's just so easy to overplay the passing lane or there's only one action. So everybody knows where the pass is going. It's just, it's super easy to do that, but also they're traveling like crazy. Um, oh God, I was so mad when I saw Jetty get called for an illegal screen tonight because <laughs> Daniel Tice was out there like, like, you know how you have flypaper Kyrie? Well, Daniel yes. Tice was the flypaper because he was sucking everyone up in these illegal <laughs> screens where he'd like spin around and somehow like cover a 10-foot wide space with his screen. Um, and they called Chetty for slipping a screen once, and it was like so weak. Um, it was very frustrating, as as is a lot of Chetty's inability to get the ball or do anything with it because he gets so few touches and the places they set him up are really dumb. Um, but he also is the only guy on the team that can execute consistently a post-entry pass.
3: Outside mm-hmm. of Del Vidova and maybe Tristan Thompson.
2: Yeah, the problem with Delhi though, is like everybody lays so far off him. that right.
3: <laughs> he, the, the guy's already doubling Kevin Love before yeah. he even gets the ball.
2: Exactly. So,
3: no, honestly, on your recap for the last game, I I wouldn't have said it, but I think you're right. If you put him as a damn point guard, and you can have Sexton as a shooting guard, you know, I'm not saying bench all the kids, and put Porter at the three, we'd actually have, assuming Sexton didn't steal mean, the ball. You the mean time. Chetty
2: at the point guard?
3: Yeah, didn't I say that?
2: Oh, you said him, and I didn't know if you were talking about Chetty or Debbie. Oh,
3: okay, yeah. Chetty at the point guard, and. You know, uh, Porter at the three. We actually have a team that could move the ball. Yeah. And have length. And as you said, you can hide Sexton on defense a little bit because he has gotten better and he did put on a little weight. But if he he he, was there with Garland.
2: He was abysmal tonight. (laughs) He was getting roasted regularly. Sexton? Um, Yeah, and you can't play Sexton and Garland together because you saw what the Celtics and Sixers did the last two games is basically. Whoever gets one of those guys on them, just go to the post and score. And the problem is, is the Cavs aren't good enough to double, like, and recover. So it just breaks down your whole defense. I mean, you and I have talked about how, like, that's the trap. Um, like you want, you want teams to double so that you can set up the offense, but the Cavs, you know, don't double and then just get killed anyway.
3: Well, the problem is, it's like, you can work theoretically, uh, you know, a starting lineup with Garland and Saxon, if they're both so good offensively that teams have to react to them. Yeah. Right. But They're not. So, I mean, that's the whole Golden State death lineup thing. Yeah. It worked because teams had to react to it. Well, it worked
2: also because everybody aside from Curry was a pretty darn good defender, too.
3: True. But, (laughs) you know. Still, right by the way, with the size thing, and the whole NBA got to this whole, oh, we don't use big men that much anymore thing. Yeah. Just trying to beat that lineup. but as Yeah, soon but as they, they were... also,
2: the whole NBA got, oh, we're just going to play five different 6'8 guys.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: and that's well, what's killing that, the Cavs right now.
1: Except their 6'8 guys are 6'1".
2: <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> well, there's six eight guys never was <coughs> the ball because only the six one guys ever do.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was it was a train wreck tonight. Um, Garland four of eleven. Sexton four of fourteen. Minus thirty and minus thirty one, which were also their plus minus numbers against the Sixers. But at least against the at least against the Celtics, not everyone else was terrible. Against the Sixers, everybody on the team was terrible. Like the entire night.
1: Yeah, um, yeah well that was pretty crazy was reading pain. about um like Sexton flexing after a after a reverse layup or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, they the like thirty.
2: The best was the KPJ flex and the the, <laughs> the YouTube like dude, you're down a thousand points. <laughs> but honestly, I would rather like at least he's having fun. You know, that was he reminds me of like the next incarnation of J.R. Smith.
1: Yeah, only he can't just do that.
2: Like, Hopefully he makes better life choices, but yeah. Yeah. JR got it together. He did, he did. After he turned 30. (laughs) He did, but yeah, Kevin Porter Jr., I like him a lot. He's got a little bit of nasty in him, which this team desperately needs.
1: Every time I've seen him, he's looked absolutely awful. Yeah, he's like
2: your your Dennis Schroeder.
1: Yeah, 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 he is. He's my dentist. He's your yeah. Schroeder's cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh,
2: no, this is not the first time we've made this joke, Ryan. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that was a, was that a John Kralik joke originally? No, no,
2: that was a Yumi and Ben oh, and, and EG. Sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was uh, <coughs> the umlaut. The umlaut. Who uh, they beat? Who did they beat last night? Oh, they beat Portland, who's basically Portland is done. terrible. They're done. Yeah, Portland they're, is terrible. They're not making the playoffs. And,
1: and uh, the other one I didn't see coming was San Antonio.
2: Is terrible. Yeah, but they're on a stretch where they've been winning games. They have. So, yeah, they have. They've they've kind of gotten it together a little bit. Um, and plus they're they're playing the Cavs next, so, <laughs> so you know they have another win <laughs> at home. Coming. Yeah.
1: Um, They're
3: still only 9-14, and though, but they they definitely have a chance to get back in it. Yeah, they've been winning games, and I don't
2: think, I mean, the other thing is obviously no one saw the Mavs making a leap like this, like they Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, people thought they might be okay, but not like this, you're right.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I thought they'd take a leap, but not not from, you know, out of the playoffs to contender. I thought it was like scary first-round matchup was kind of where they were going to go to.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, they're legit destination for picking up guys because their window is like, hey, we could compete now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hold on we, one second. Yeah, got to pause this. this.
3: Yeah.
2: i got a uh, phone call here.
3: Why aren't you important? It's, not really. <laughs> Hello?
1: Is it Kobe Altman calling to ask for advice?
2: Deli and dispatch? Yes, what can I do
3: for you? That would be very helpful if you did. I still really want my goal of just being able to coach the cats for a week to try all ideas and see if they're full of crap or not. Okay.
2: So, yeah, we were just talking in the break. This is going to be, like, the most disjointed podcast ever, like, even more than normal. Um, I don't
1: know. I think... We have a lot of podcasts, Nate. I don't know <laughs> if we can award this one the best or worst or anything. No,
2: most disjointed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We've had some disjointed ones. Yeah uh but we were just talking about the athletic and so i think the athletic is what i'm going to put down is what is one of the nba's rating problems right now
1: what
2: yes that's a that hot take they have paywalled the best nba content and you know they're not bringing in new fans they're only bringing in the diehards and so the lack of media coverage in, you know, local papers and, um, the internet and all this stuff, and they've, they've cut off access. I don't know if you heard about this, but they've been cracking down on the highlight shares on YouTube, the, uh, free Dawkins, uh,
1: folks. Oh yeah. Well, that's been going on forever. He got, he got shut down years ago. I remember cause we were using yeah. him in like every recap.
2: Yeah. and. He had-
1: he was the first guy to have these like insane recaps, yeah, not just and, the dumb like one minute long like NBA. ones.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Uh, I I have a problem with paywalls in that I feel like if you're putting stuff behind a paywall, it's not accessible to everyone. You know, of course you can go to a library or you can you know go to a Starbucks and access a lot of that stuff. But yeah, I'm a I'm I'm a little skeptical. On whether that's good for the sport, the league long term. So, um, but also I've got some other theories on what's killing ratings in the NBA. And uh, but before I do that, what's your like? Give me your top three things that are killing ratings in the NBA, Ryan.
3: Okay. Well, first of all, really quick, I I have mixed feelings about the whole Paywall thing with the Athletic because yeah. I completely get your point, but at the same point of even how I found the blog in the first place is by just searching through massive amounts of content and this is before there was The Athletic and there's so many places that are just rehashing other people's stuff because all you really need is clicks and I mean right. Caps Nation is the biggest one of that where basically anytime an article gets written there's a Caps Nation article that yeah. references like four sentences from it <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's really really it, with the way media it, is right now it's it's hard i think for a lot of outlets to put out substantive stuff and make a profit off of it when they can just make a profit you know the guy from forbes now huh click farms right and like the guy from forbes now his background is from like Cavs nation and stuff like that which is just harvesting articles and getting clicks and people on on pay sites now don't even know what they're talking about they'll say they'll self-contradict themselves Like a million by pace, I mean uh, ad supported, by quality, you know, or supposedly quality, like Like Forbes or whatever. Yeah, it's the they just they use some different sources, contradict themselves in their own article, and it doesn't really even matter. So I do understand a bit of the paywall of saying, okay, we're actually going to put something that reads past the first ten lines. You know, and no, I get it, too.
2: I mean, that you're pointing to a, a problem, a larger problem with society, the MSM, if you will, um, and, and the problem with media in general and the death of the newspaper, etc. But, yeah, I mean, that, all that stuff's in, in the ether, as it were. Right.
3: And then, OK, and then that leads to my thing, at least one thing I think that's hurting the NBA is it kind of coincides with that is that there's so many games in the NBA and everything happens so quickly that hot takes are kind of a natural response and you get sort of a, okay, well, they played two games poorly, so they're terrible now. Yeah. And you look at the comment boards. I, like, I
2: myself ah. was accused of overreacting this evening.
3: Yeah. I have no <laughs> one who would do such a thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, you – I think most everyone on the site is exercising the patience of Mother Teresa uh, <laughs> and uh, throwing this you know, current combination under the bus. And you weren't even saying get rid of everyone. You were just saying, don't start people when it's not working. You're only hurting them. Yeah. But I mean, you look at the comment boards on Cleveland.com, and it's like from day one, they start saying one thing. And like 90% of the comments are just complaining about stuff from the game before and have no context. And that's the whole internet is you can say this oh, he- guy's – In the world, and if he's wrong, and if you're right tomorrow, you celebrate it, and then you don't worry about the fact that a week from now you look like a complete moron.
2: Yeah, there there is no more objective truth,
3: (laughs) and and I think that hurts. It becomes the regular season starts to become this thing of like, well, everything I say today is going to be wrong in a week, and I and everyone wants to come up with an opinion that's right right now, rather than, you know, just watching trends. They want to be, this guy's awful, this guy's good. And I think people just kind of tune out because it's it's completely unpredictable and everything you say is wrong in a week. And no one cares about actual perspective or looking back in time and seeing if what they said made any sense.
2: Well, and yeah, and Tom and I have talked about this. The Cavs destroyed the regular season for all time in two thousand. 16, yep. when they beat... Uh, 17. The 17, sorry. The 16-17 season. Yeah. When they won... Oh, it they 16. Were... No, it was 16.
1: No, it was 17 when, in March, they were losing games by 30 points, and okay, they got well, a four seed or whatever. I
2: will that it started in 16, seat. when they beat the greatest regular season team of all time.
1: Well, that's fine. But, I mean, the, the sheer mockery of oh, yeah. what they did in 16-17 in the regular season, like... I mean, we were talking about back then. Like, look, we, we yeah, it's one thing to say you can flip a switch, you know. Maybe like the yeah. Lakers that one year actually did, but you're losing games by thirty that you obviously you remember must the wine be trying trip? to win
2: the wine trip in uh, California when in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were just yes awful the next. Time. Yeah,
1: but that was early in the season. Yeah, but, like late in the season, it's like playoff seating was on the line. There were implications, so you would think like, okay. They're rested. They really want to win this game, and they lose by 30 in March. And we're like, okay, that, I mean, this is just who they are. And then they went 16 and 1 or 12 and 1 en route to the finals. And it was like, oh, okay, never mind. Like, they can't flip the switch. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike Buttonholzer
2: is a fraud. fraud. We forgot.
3: (laughs) But honestly, the last three years of the Cavs was kind of taking a gigantic dump on the regular season. Yeah, it cities. was. No, it, it totally was. It absolutely was.
2: Well, and so my biggest take is, and I was ranting at this before you got <coughs> on, Ryan, is that, well, well, before we get to mine, so that was your, was it, did you rank? The, I gave you your top three. So one yeah, of said, them was I mean, the irrelevance sh- of the regular season in the light of modern social media
3: because yeah, I don't actually think it's irrelevant. I just think people are too dumb to understand the relevance of, <laughs> of perspective. And ooh, maybe that's hard. Ooh, ooh smoking, hot. smoking hot, smoking hot takes. Too impatient to appreciate that what happened today is not the definition of how things are.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. Yeah.
3: Okay. And yeah, that, I, I don't have. A good, I had like one and a half the other half being the whole how media works thing and stuff gets covered poorly, and yeah. All right, I do have a little bit of a third. I think from my limited experience that the NBA goes through somewhat of talent cycles, and I think we're kind of in between two right now.
2: Oh, that's totally legit.
3: Whereas I feel like two, three, four years ago, there was like... 20 guys that you're like these are the people that the league revolves around and now we're kind of in that okay a lot some a good handful of those guys are starting to fade and get older then there's there's still a core of like like 10 people that kind of decide everything and then a lot of people that could be one of the next people that's a superstar that the league revolves around but i think we're kind of in a dip where we're starting to see who's really going to matter and you know that's anything if you want to see Ben Simmons or Dantek or, you know, even like Devin Booker or something like that. And even Antetokounmpo is just kind of coming up into his uh, kind of thing from that. So I feel like part of it is just kind of a natural ebb and flow of the these are the 20 guys that the NBA is about sort of thing.
2: Interesting. Tom, give me All the right. top three. I know well, one of them. Okay. Um, one of
1: them is definitely the total ir- irrelevance of the regular season that has uh, been getting worse and worse every year i think you know lebron and, and and what coincides with that is like the the resting players which i'm not saying that doesn't make sense to do that but if we're talking about why ratings are down it's because you know fan interest ratings that's all it is fan interest and fans get turned off by okay like you know these ideas of you know, we're going to rest stars on certain games. And I mean, that really pisses off people that spend a lot of money for tickets.
2: Oh, I, and to... as it should. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. So and those two things kind of coincide because the only reason teams feel like they can do that is it's a value proposition. And they're saying to themselves, you know, what's more valuable, like a regular season win or the long term health of a star when all you really care about is, you know, the playoffs anyway. And so now the rest is winning out. So that's kind of one. Um, two, I think. I actually think the modern style of the NBA. Um, oh, I don't oh, think it's. Oh,
2: I guess I don't know one. I know two. Okay. I,
1: well, I think you. Know, everyone talks about all oh, this new, like Steph Curry style is great, and it they're they're sort of like, um, you know, why is it great? Well, because all the kids are now just jacking up threes, and it's like, oh, that's not evidence that fans like it like just because kids mimic what pro players are doing that doesn't mean that you know the people that are paying the money to see the games which are mostly gonna be...
2: dig the long ball is
1: that's exactly saying. that's exactly right it's not yeah it's not chicks digging the long ball and i just think you know you look and back and i'm watching at...
2: this bucks magic highlight reel right now and it's literally all threes like yeah. Giannis jack threes
1: <laughs> and it's just it's just kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it almost looks more like an all-star game. It looks more like a scrimmage. Like, I've always found all-star games to be boring as hell. Yeah. It's just like, run up, and yeah. someone jacks up a shot, and there's a lot of talent, but no one's grinding for anything. I mean, yeah. it's, stylistically...
3: Competitiveness
2: has been dialed down.
3: Yes, Except very occasionally. There yeah, have been like, some massively great all-star games. Like Magic Johnson's last one. With him going one on one at Jordan at the end. I'm just yeah, oh, <laughs> saying. The highest rated, rated
1: highest rated finals, the highest rated finals by far was 98 Jazz versus Bulls, and they, they've never been close to that. Yeah. And you think, like, wow, I mean, obviously Michael Jordan, but the Jazz, like, and it's like, yeah, because you know what? Malone and Stockton played together for a million years. Everyone knew who the Jazz were. They were. Yeah. Kind of the same team. You didn't have like stars switching teams back then. Like players got, so that, that's, you probably can guess all three of mine, Nate. My third one is the, the, what I'll call the player empowerment, uh, woke <laughs> movement, which is, this is what I mean by that. Player empowerment is driven by the union and the players, which that's fine. I mean, I'm glad the players are fighting for their power, but when the media gets involved, and turns every story of, you know, bargaining and free agency and whatever into this giant, like, sort of quasi-activist rah-rah story about how great this is. Unless and
2: Unless rea- that story is about China and then they are conspicuously <laughs> quiet.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's like, that's not good for fans. It's not good no. for fans when stars and all these teams are like... Trade me to L.A. And then a couple months later, it's like, turns out Anthony Davis is going to L.A. Huh? Say what you want about how it yeah. went down. But from the fans perspective, it's like, why should I be invested in my team when let's look at the Cavs right now? I mean, if yeah. you're a Cavs fan, LeBron being kind of a weird outlier because he's from the area, if, if we draft some stud, is he going to want to re-up here or is he going to sign with Clutch and just want to go to wherever he wants
2: to go? Yeah. And then how do you stop that from happening? Because well, and part of they, the problem with where they all want to go is the West Coast, which is not where 70% of the U.S. lives. <laughs> and well, that's the yeah. other reason is – so one of the reasons is that most of the best players, you know, LeBron, Harden, Westbrook, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard um, – they're all on the we- they're all in the West and they're not where people actually live. You know, e- Milwaukee, um, who are the best teams in these Milwaukee, Toronto and Boston and, and Philadelphia. You know. I mean, Boston and Philadelphia have good teams. And then, you know, then you got Miami, which is not a great media market. So Everybody here's knows.
1: A, here's a question. And it's not to say that players just like magic Johnson forced himself more or less to, LA and stuff like that, but you think back and you know I think people today still wear Bulls jerseys because of Jordan, even though he yeah. went to the the Wizards or whatever. And yeah. I remember I remember Jordan saying in an interview when the Bulls were not having their best year, you still got he said you still got to go through Chicago like in the playoffs. I think he was talking about the Magic. Like you still going to Eli, go as Chicago.
2: as Elijah Kim often notes. The East in the U.S. still goes through Cleveland.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Right. Because Toronto's, uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But the player empowerment movement, I think, is bad for ratings. It's bad for the popularity of the sport. And I think you can sum it up by looking at how the hell is college football, which is so inferior to pro football from a talent perspective, so darn popular. And it's because you're rooting for laundry, you know? And that's what you're getting up for. And you start making it this star-driven, star-empowered league, and you're supposed to just root for a couple stars, and they're all transient. And I think that's bad for the long-term health of the game.
2: Oh, I do. Now, let me expound on that. And I will say one of the worst things that has happened in college basketball and pro basketball, because they are intertwined, is both – Leagues are competing against each other for talent. And what that is doing is actually damaging the brand of basketball itself. And what's happening is what I talked about at the beginning of pod, the podcast teams like the Cavs and the Knicks and who's another terrible, Oh, the, the Warriors who are blatantly tanking their first season in a brand new arena. Um, are not in the National Basketball Association. They are in the National Team Development Association. So they're drafting these kids that have played five games of college that nobody knows, that nobody cares about, and then they're plugging them into starting lineups to try and lose games on purpose in order to get better draft picks and further decimate the college basketball system. And what they ought to be doing, rather than competing with college basketball, is partnering with college basketball the same way that pro and uh, lower-level clubs in Europe partner together to train and build up players and have a whole pipeline of talent, and you follow players over years rather than—and you're building the brand of both these college teams and the NBA and improving the quality of play in both rather than just— you know, a race to acquire talent that can't play yet, and you don't have any way to develop them in a aesthetically pleasing way that fans want to see.
3: So, no, I, oh, go ahead. It's finished.
2: No, no, that was a rant.
3: Go ahead. That was great. Okay. I liked it. All right, so, no, I totally agree. And uh, just two quick points I wanted to throw in is one, just back on the whole thing Tom was talking about, is the One of the big problems is you have this whole, like, rah-rah labor movement, which, again, I understand the player empowerment thing. But you have this huge fallacy where everyone's pretending that each player is is working for an independent company that is their team. That's not the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers, for example, or Golden State Warriors, are not a company unto themselves. If they went to go start their own league, and then they just had to play with people that couldn't make into the NBA, no one would care. I mean, how many people still, you know, watch the Globetrotters? It's the entire league has value because of all the franchises. It's just like any other business
2: has value because of the players. Like if the players went and made another league, no one would care that a bunch of G leaguers were playing for Boston.
3: Right. And that's my point. It's, Each franchise only has value because of what they're part of. So any franchise that just went off and, you know, started playing in, you know, I don't know, the Mexican League or something, no one would really care even if one team was absolutely amazing because they just have a layup line against a bunch of people that can't play. (laughs) So who really cares? I mean, that wouldn't be exciting. So you have to understand that the the worst players in the NBA – are still incredibly valuable to the entire thing. And this whole player empowerment thing, well, it sounds nice on paper because you're comparing the stars of the league to what the franchises make. And you're like, oh, well, wow, the franchise makes a billion dollars. They're only making, you know, 50 million, whatever. But that's not really the case because when these star players are getting all these boosts, the guys at the bottom of the league are the ones that are the ones losing money out of it. And if it's... It's the same kind of problems you run into if you want to start play, paying college players and stuff, which I still think they should figure out a way to do. But it—it just so many of these movements really only help the richest of the richer players.
2: Well, I, I agree that that's true, but that's—that is a income inequality is a problem all across the political and socio and economic spectrum right. of America right now. So. I don't think we're going to solve that on this podcast, although I'd like to try.
3: That's a naughty problem, but I'd like to at least start out there. But then secondly, about your whole kind of competing uh, NCAA versus NBA, that's what I think is really cool about uh, the Australian League right now and things they could do with, with the G League and with the NCAA and if they can get the G League to get a little bit more. See, uh,
2: I have the opposite – take of that entirely. I think the G League is a terrible idea. Everyone hates the G League. Nobody goes to see the games. Who do they go see? They go see college teams. So make the college teams the development league just like the NFL has done and figure out how to make that work. And yeah, you might have to pay some players to do it. But you know, the NFL gets away with it because the players are quote unquote not physically mature enough to play in the NFL yet.
3: But well, I think that's a case with a lot of people that are in the NBA right now, as some of us might say from watching Cavaliers games. But <laughs> rhymes
2: with Garius Darland.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so if if or if and when the uh, the uh, college requirement gets lifted and you can start putting high school players in again, oh,
2: it'll be the I worst that thing that ever happened to the NBA.
3: Which where I think the G League has a chance to become a valuable thing. And this is where I'm referencing the Australia League, where the Australian League has uh, the provision right now. I forget. It's called star something or whatever, where, you know, they're pulling in people instead of going to college. And teams get a certain cap uh, exception if they're signing young kids and they have certain amounts that they can use to sign like two to three players. I think it is to their roster. Of people that are going to be NBA prospects. These things don't count against their cap hit, and they're allowed to bring a couple of them in to have sort of, you know, star players before they make it to the NBA. So it's where LaMelo Ball is right now, right? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. And yeah, so it draws some attention for the Australian League because these are the people that are the future of the NBA. So it makes people excited to watch. It also makes these teams not lose something for investing in these people. It gives the kids somewhere to go where they're actually making money for their skills. If they blow out their knee, they're not completely, you know, left in the dust for it, and they have a little bit to support their family without going through all the crazy NCAA. Yeah, see, my role. whole
2: point is make college that don't make.
3: You know. but I just don't see that being possible. Well, I see it much more possible to offer a stepping stone to the pros through the G League than to get the NCAA to say, oh, yeah, you know
2: what? Well, and that's why colleges should just leave the NCAA and just make their um, basketball teams contractor teams. But that's just me. I have crazy possible? ideas. No, if there were, I know it's if not realistic possible? and it probably wouldn't won't happen for a long time, but... It won't happen until the NCAA starts losing a lot of money or these colleges start losing money and that's not gonna happen till Nate, I have a
1: fourth reason.
3: <laughs> I have a fourth too. when you're done, by the way. Okay. I came up with what you're we talking, but oh, go I ahead got more and period, I
1: don't but... I don't know how much like if this is the worst reason or that like it doesn't matter at all. This is just my opinion. Like my doesn't jibe with my tastes. But A very new phenomenon in the NBA is this fraternity, like where all the players are friends. Oh yeah. That is, that is not something we, the NBA we grew up with. I mean, whether or not they were actually friends, they sure as hell didn't act like it when they played. And I think that, I mean, sports is simulated war and the reason sports is based on regional cities and teams is for the same reason it's popular in the first place. It's tribal. It's us against you, us against them. You band together and you do it regionally, and that's always worked. And now it's just—it's more like the Globetrotters. It's like, oh, everyone's just a, everyone's just someone else's buddy. Like, you know, we're all having fun here. You yeah. know, it's that's, like, well, that's okay, why that's I Giannis,
2: fine. Because he doesn't have yes! friends on other teams.
1: Yes, I love Giannis for the same reason. Yeah. I bet you Milwaukee's ratings are good right now. I <laughs> bet you they are. Probably helps that they're leading the league in point differential, but. <laughs> Yeah, Giannis is a throwback. They need to have more Giannis. It's funny how LeBron...
2: Like more Steven Adams is.
1: Yeah, you could argue LeBron like saved the league. You can also argue he wrecked it because LeBron... He banana-boated the league. He banana-boated it. He clutched it. He empowered it. You know, what what have you. And then the whole China thing, everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're just kind of a fraud. So all that stuff you were talking about. No, not
2: everyone was like that. I feel like that needs to be shouted from the rooftops. Um, and that was such a missed opportunity for the cat, for the NBA to be like, to embrace its American fans. And they didn't do that. And I think that was a huge turnoff to it, well, a yeah. lot, a big section of the population.
3: Yeah. And yeah, I agree. your point about it being a metaphor for war is absolutely true. That I mean, that's a, the genesis of sport. Was, you know, you know, like you go back to like, like let's city fight state and state not go down the other. city yeah. walls after they won, you know, because they weren't afraid of anybody else. I mean, that's, that's how it works. Reading that was for the
2: Olympics specific... was so that you don't kill each other. You yeah run a marathon against a bunch of other naked
3: yeah. guys. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And yeah, following just a star doesn't work because first of all, you can't even necessarily always watch your star unless you have league pass. But it's just Which doesn't work. That's the, the <laughs> and same When your star's on a minute restriction. Yeah. Right. And you end up watching more to watch your star get his than you do to watch the team win. Yep. And that's that's where I, I've tried to forcefully put myself into the rose colored glasses or wine wine and gold colored glasses of, Okay, how can I look at this in a way that I'm still really about the Cavs? And I understand sometimes it's really a reach and sometimes I even get mad at myself. But I feel like that's the only way I can still feel comfortable really giving a damn.
1: Well, the NBA media really makes this all bad because every time, uh, uh, every time a player is like, "Okay, well I'm going so and so," and then the, what do they, the fans do at the next game? They boo, and then you get like a hundred, you know, clapping seal posts about, "Oh, the horror! Like how could you do this to someone? You would never do, you know." I bet you've gone places and you didn't necessarily live where you grew up. And how dare you tell these athletes,
2: you know, who. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, are you kidding, kidding me right now? Well, I or read an you, article you're... about this. Like well, when just, KD I, anytime, left Oklahoma City. Anytime I read an article
1: by some yuppie in a Brooklyn coffee house telling like comparing an athlete making nine figures a year. To like me or like a regular person <laughs> i just want to be well, like can i punch okay you tom because he'll be
2: the odds are he will be bankrupt two years after he's out of the league
1: well, it's just like it's so ridiculous to compare well, like an nba fun. player and the salaries they make and the business decisions they make with yeah well you have the freedom to do it's like
2: okay yeah it's not exactly the same i'm not exactly the same no. as kevin
1: durant and there's a couple so there's different. a couple slight differences
2: this is so different because, you know, Ryan was saying a minute ago that it isn't every corporation against every other corporation, but actually it is because every single player is a corporation. And so they're all about increasing their own value. That's why you see guys, oh, I accidentally shot at a second after the shot clock was over rather than shoot a half court shot before the, the halftime buzzer because it <laughs> might lower my... It might have lower their effectiveness. Yeah. Right or, or, or Jordan Clarkson, seeing that he's going to get subbed out, and so he jacks up the next two shots. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And it completely ignores just basic, even like Adam Smith governing dynamics. Uh, oh man, we're going deep now. We're we're getting academic.
2: <laughs> how about in the words of uh, of Ben Affleck in uh, not Ben Affleck, uh, Matt ben Damon? And how do you like them apples?
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. A little Goodwill Hunting but- action going on here basic governing dynamics is everybody working for their own best ends doesn't actually work everyone thinks that's what Adam smith said about capitalism it's not he actually said the same thing it's everyone working for their own benefit and the best of the group if you don't have the best of the group everything falls apart yeah because you just have everyone undercutting each other and screwing people over and just getting the bag rather than Actually worrying about, like, oh, wait, but if I help them, then that creates a sustainable – oh, yeah, never mind. That's too much effort.
2: Yeah. Well, and that is what we wrote about. <laughs> you
1: sound like you've been to college recently. We need to <laughs> – us old fogies
2: need to get those ideas hey, out I'm of your no head. back to college, Tom, so – Back to Sky. You know, I, I
3: have to go back at some time to actually get my degree. But yeah.
2: so what I was gonna say was that um we wrote an article about this, the Hinky Letters, and that was a big takeaway from the Hinky Letters is that tanking is a gigantic free rider problem for the economic model of the NBA. Because if you're not all working together, it becomes a race to the bottom, which is how you end up starting two six-one point guards that combine to go eight for twenty-five tonight. I mean, it's just it, it reinforces ridiculously bad decisions in terms of team building for the sake of it's a race to the bottom, basically. You know, well,
1: and, and part of, part of that isn't just like you know, quote unquote execution tanking. It's also decisions that happen all year long. Like, no, we're not going to overpay for this middling free agent like this yeah. George Hill type player because we're not a competitive team.
2: Yeah. So that's the baseball. You're seeing the Cleveland the tribe right now with Lindor
1: teams basically decide how to time their ascent based right. on when they're. You know, when are our best players going to be in their prime and under contract? Okay, now we'll sign like the George Hills of the world. Yeah. Right. But when- and
3: otherwise, it creates a middling middle class of the NBA, which is this other thing. Is that like anyone getting paid like between nine and fifteen, even like eighteen million dollars a year, is being either grossly underpaid or grossly overpaid? But it's also an age thing
1: because a lot of players that are maybe like in their thirties that would be there are very useful and provide veteran leadership. If you're saying like well doesn't matter we lost LeBron we're going to be at least 3 or 4 years away from even playoff contention you're much less likely to want a player like that because you yeah. just think it's not they're not going to be here when we're going to be good again. So you like, know I don't I don't find that to be as it's more insidious than, you know, like we're just trying to lose because it's better somehow. We took out insurance against, you know, like the Black Sox kind of losing.
3: Well, no, I agree, and it creates this weird vacuum of the middle class, again, where it's like anyone in that middle range, it's like either they got signed to more than they were worth, and they're passed around as bad contracts, but they're good enough, the team's still going to play them. But these or problems, these you problems. You on them and win, and, and yet no one – and so anyone over a certain age – most teams are only going to pay the bare minimum for them, even no matter how valuable they are, unless they're a superstar. These
1: problems are all connected because if you, if you draft a good player or you sign a good player and you think like this guy could be a Cavalier for life, you're much less likely to be even in that kind of decision space where you're trying to like time your ascent for the rookie contract of your generational talent that you hope to get. right? Right. It's like, well, why? I mean, make start with the assumption that if you you know hire a player and you'll pay him the most you can pay him that he would go for on the open market, that he will stay with your team. The problem is that doesn't exist anymore because players decide. I want to play in a warm climate. I want to play where has better tax advantages. I want to play with LeBron. I want to play in a contender. They, you know, whatever. There's all these reasons why players are deciding exactly where they want to go. And that just completely upsets the balance for any kind of team trying to, you know, put together some kind of sustained excellence. And so that's when you're going to get all this kind of stuff where you have the Morris
3: going like, to the Knicks.
2: Yeah. Well, and and so this is my number one point uh, is that uh, Adam Silver is a feckless wiener, and oh, I love he it. I love has it. allowed. <laughs> the nba brand to be destroyed or to be diminished by all these actions um you know he the wokeness of oh we've got to play these we have if a player is old enough to vote he should be old enough to pay the play in the nba no that's not true you it's not helpful to have five guys at the end of your bench that don't know how to play basketball it's not helpful for the brand of the nba to have that happen why would people want to watch that you know, why would people want to watch a team that just comes down and jacks at three every time? You know, that is the problem. You're not making good business decisions for the f- current and future health of your brand. You are making decisions that don't make any sense. Plus, you add in these things like the NBA has never made League Pass work. Like how 15 years in, League Pass is still a joke that it never yeah,
3: works. that's the thing. Yeah, what is, it is yeah. I mean, Something how have ridiculous. you not fixed this
2: issue? It is YouTube ridiculous. TV exists. AT&T, there's all these streaming channels all over the internet, and you can buy one of five or six different streaming channels, yet they can't get NBA TV working. You, know, you have it's ridiculous. Or NBA spec- League Pass working.
3: Yeah, it, it makes the whole NBA's wokeness be a mockery of itself. Yeah.
2: Well, and I, not only that, it's like, so now the NBA has embraced gambling, but why would you ever want to gamble on a team that you don't oh, know yeah. whether their best players are going to play? Yeah. You don't know whether they're just actively tanking, you know, like –
3: Right, and that's where they made yeah. the new things about the height things, and now you have to announce a starting lineup a little bit earlier, but, it, yeah, I mean, it's all really tiny, tiny Band-Aids.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's really, it, yeah, you're big. putting lipstick on a pig.
3: <laughs> oh, so yeah. can I get to my number four reason that I came up <laughs> with as we were talking?
2: Boy, this is just the bag on the NBA <laughs> podcast. Okay,
3: podcast. Yeah, it works. I mean, we don't have a lot of happy stuff to talk about, so. <laughs> that's true. But, so
1: It is obnoxious but, that the NBA thinks so highly of itself, and the NBA media thinks so highly of the NBA, and that every time a star leaves a franchise and their fans are crushed, and they do something like boo or something like that, or one guy yeah. burns a jersey, that all these, like, shame on you pieces come out from everyone, yeah, and I exactly. just want to, like... I, yeah. like, I get it. You you like that the players like you, right? It's you okay like to that boo. You can, boo
2: means you're you like, passionate. Well, boo it's, means it's you care. You're spending no, money. It's because, you're all of the,
1: it's because all of the journalists, because of either their ideology or because they like being liked by the players, don't have a spine. They're unwilling to say, like, wow, this really sucks for the fan. They don't write for the fan anymore. That's no, what's no, crazy.
2: No, only, only your boys here at CTB that'll. That's right. That'll call Colin That's Sexton, right. young bullshit. That's um, right. <laughs> only those guys. We're here yep. for you. We make, no we make no money. We <laughs>
1: make no money. To be money. fair,
3: that is why I found money. you guys.
1: You make minus money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is why I found you guys, and why I kept reading, and why I uh, attached myself to you. Minus,
1: <laughs> minus hosting costs plus a plug-in or two
3: here and there for WordPress. <laughs> but I'm great at wasting money so I really wanted to hitch my wagon to that. So, <laughs> Well, there is, you
2: know, well, though, you were in is, several is, bands so you do what's crazy know is all about...
3: And I ran a bar. So. It, is, it is
1: crazy though how we haven't changed in 10 years and yeah. we've seen so many frameworks and formats come and go and in the end it's like we're still pure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, we haven't been tainted. There, there is our subtitle, We're Still Pure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Fresh my gripe. since 2007.
3: And pure. And still pure. Or
2: 2009.
3: Still, still pure. All right, <laughs> so my fourth gripe, of which I, I do really think this is something that's hurting in the NBA is officiating and (laughs) not in the way you think i'm going to say it i'm not my complaint is not the refs suck or the refs screwed up they do that plenty but you know that's just it's going to happen people are human right especially with a game as fast-paced as the nba and especially if you're not trying to have the game slow down to a crawl problem i have and it's my biggest problem with basketball despite the fact that it's my favorite sport is the only sport I can think of where breaking the rules is part of the game. Where we're literally, you know, try, you can say to a player about a player, wow, he's really great at getting to the free throw line. That's absurd. <laughs> Going to the free throw line, that, that's supposed to be a punishment for breaking the rules. I, I mean, do you hear in football, that guy's really great at drawing pass interference. It's just—I mean—you have little bits where it drips into other sports, yeah. a tiny bit. But I mean, you don't have—oh, that guy's great at drawing a balk in baseball. It's just—it's not what it is. But it's become this huge
2: drawing thing. a balk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought well, that was
3: funny. Speaking of things, I feel
1: like that... that's a good comparison. I feel like other things is you ever hear watch a game and you hear an announcer say with excitement, "This is a playoff atmosphere." You're thinking like, wow, you're basically openly stating that intensity in a regular season game nowhere near matches the intensity in a playoff game.
3: Yeah, fair enough. That goes to every sport. I I do get your point, but that's drifting a little away. I don't don't know if I agree with that. In football,
1: I mean, you better win most of your games or you're not going to make the playoffs. Like, you don't.
3: I get that, but I mean, still, all week on the radio, uh, every time I accidentally listen to talk radio it's well you know the browns if they could get into the playoffs it'd just be great to have those guys see playoff atmosphere for the first time and you know blah blah, blah, i mean ohio
1: state played one bad half and they dropped a spot in their rankings so Mm -hmm. i mean you can't take you can't not be intense at any time you need to put up 80 points on like miami of ohio or else you might not get enough style points and the nba has a miami
3: of ohio my dad went there
1: they have a huge regular season problem that was the first thing we all talked about yeah, but well, I just think a lot of these things are connected. Oh, but, they
2: are all connected. I mean, yeah, no, and no. And it's the reason that James Harden is destroying scoring right now, scoring 38 points a game, and no one cares because everybody knows that, you know, a fourth of his points come off bullshit fishing for fouls. And the
1: other half come off, like, step-back threes, which yeah. just – it, it's great and it's amazing display of skill – but it just doesn't feel yeah. like a battle. It doesn't yeah. feel like he's battling so, against anyone. To Hollinger figuring out how to a, break the game.
2: John Hollinger had a great idea the other day. And it was basically, he said, the three free throws for a foul on the three-point line is one of the worst things in the NBA right now. Um, a, it takes forever to shoot three free throws. B, it is encouraging players to just flop and fall over and all this stuff, C, it's diminishing defense and competitiveness, and D, nobody wants to watch a free throw contest. So his idea was um, every free throw, except for a one-point free throw, is worth two points whether you get fouled on the three-point line or not. So you shoot a free, you get fouled in the shooting foul, whether it's a three pointer or a two it's worth one free throw is worth two points and that's it speeds up the game, uh, gets rid of the flopping for two point or for three point, three free throws, all that stuff. What do you guys think of that idea?
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And I think Demi yeah. needs to make a lot of rule changes. I think they need yeah. to shorten the season. I think they need to make change the collective bargaining agreements so that stars don't leave their teams that drafted them. Um, I, I think they well, need better. I, I don't have this problem roles. with that so
2: much as that's what they bargained for. You know, the players gave away percentages of revenue to get that option. So
1: right, but like they don't enforce collusion, right? That's well, a rule. Okay, no, I totally one hundred
2: percent agree with you. Like the fact that Kawhi Leonard is not fined or Paul George isn't precluded from going to the Clippers when a basically a free agent is calling him and telling him to demand a trade because he doesn't want to play with them anymore is utterly ridiculous.
3: Or how yeah. about Durant went to the Nets before free agency started?
2: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I go- don't have a problem with that so much as the interfering with guys under contract to get them to demand a trade. I think is utterly ridiculous.
3: <laughs> no, you know, I understand that. And, and, and the Cavs and
2: probably I, have a championship because of it, but it's still ridiculous.
3: I agree with that, but I, I'm, referencing it back, because it goes back to even my officiating thing, is it creates this thing where the rules are kind of the rules. And it's like, uh, as you talked about the falls on the three-point line, go w- go back and watch the 2014-2015 uh, finals uh, against Golden State.
2: Oh, the flop and flail? No,
3: no, no. 14, 15, oh, were current, they just grab I,
2: jerseys the entire uh, playoffs?
3: Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm not even going there. If you watch fourteen fifteen versus 15 versus 15-16, you did not have Curry and Clay Thompson flopping every time they took a three. In the course of that one year, they suddenly started doing that. That's also about when they stopped enforcing the flopping fines again. But you look at those two series of back-to-back, and it's like, holy crap, they suddenly just start falling down every time they take a three. And then you want to talk about how that really affects the NBA as a whole. Clay Thompson's injury right now that he's sitting for is because he flopped on a three and hurt himself. <laughs> nice, we're a in a full circle. Happened. I like yeah. that. I mean,
2: no, he, I, I will
3: totally agree. that right the... all funny, injured himself because he was trying to draw a stupid fall, and it, it then like even just watching the World Cup this summer, it was amazing watching where they called a technical fall on someone for flopping.
2: I oh, like, I totally think the NBA needs that, and they need to come from, um. It needs to come from, like, New Jersey. Like, they can radio in a technical file for flopping. Absolutely. And it that's... is so ridiculous. Like, Marcus Smart and PBEV, ah. they get screened, and then they act like they just got shot.
3: <laughs> Marcus Smart's <laughs> ragdoll physics every time he plays. Yeah. Just yes, ragdoll physics engine. But yeah. that is, like, the entirety of my point, where it's, I wouldn't care about officiating misses if the game wasn't built around trying to get officials to screw up.
1: Yeah. So that's oh, I what agree. the Yeah, is. that's definitely a <laughs> problem.
3: It's perfect and I really forgive so much because they're spending the entire game deciphering did this guy just get punched in the face or yeah. is he a really good actor? Is that
2: a Euro step or a travel? Right. Oh and and, and that's the other thing that is maddening is the inconsistency of the way rules are called for certain players versus other i mean the lebron james picking up the ball and walking with it the other day was
3: absolutely yeah so yeah point of emphasis thing and yeah the nba recently or or a couple years ago i saw this thing where they said you know we reviewed all the calls you know in a given game and you know we've seen that 92 percent were correct for all-stars and 92 percent were correct for rookies so there is no disparity I mean, oh, well, that's great, but it's the exact same people determining this that are making the calls. Yeah. in the first, it's like, I swear the coaches challenge this year Ugh. is just big middle finger to anyone that complains about officiating.
2: Because... <laughs> this is the worst incongruous- implemented rule I have ever seen in a pro sport. We're it is, it makes the baseball, like I came off the bag in the middle of the slide challenge look like well-conceived. It is so bad. Sorry, right. continue.
3: The way it goes is, it's just entirely on uh, most of these subjective things. You'll see it in, in if you saw it in you know the way that you're watching for your own team. That should be overturned, but it's kind of iffy. You know, they're just, they end up just keeping their same call. I, I bet you they have overturned less than less than twenty five percent of calls this year.
2: Well, and no and one I, knows where you can call it and when. Like, right,
3: and it's so confusing, and almost every. Single time, it's a complete judgment call. I yes. mean, it's that whole Kevin Durant charging into LeBron thing. Uh, oh, Penny Mauer. <laughs> the, the people that, that could have screwed up the call are the people covering their own butts yeah. in the process. So at the end of the year, you're going to have the NBA say, well, we tried it for a year, and it just slows down the game. And it proves that we're right, 90, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> percent of the time so you know adam
2: silver is a feckless wiener
3: right and all that away because screw it refs are going to mess up i'm cool with that if you just stop making following such a part of the game if you just start punishing people for acting then all these different problems about complaining about officiating slowing down the game all that goes away because there's actually a penalty for being a jackass (laughs) (laughs)
2: Put that on. Put well, on. well put. So I, I will say the other thing that drives me insane about the challenge rule is that like all these old coaches don't understand it, and like the one the other day where John Beeline challenged a call when it was nine to three in a game. I'm like, yeah. why? If you have a challenge, why would you ever waste it when it's when you're down six points in the first quarter? <laughs> like how how is that? going to help you and then points in the first quarter are worth the same amount as
1: points in the fourth quarter nate i think the whole point is also
2: true but let let me so and then beyond that so the converse of that is the Cavs have a challenge at the end of the game against philly um joel and lying out of bounds they don't use it um to get a second back on the clock and then they can't use it when there's a goaltend against what was it orlando
3: yeah, which they – the Was it Orlando
2: last... or Milwaukee? It
3: was wrong. Orlando.
2: Okay. Yeah, and the two-minute report said, like, yeah, they we called that wrong. Oh, and Chetty got fouled. You probably should have right. won this game.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah, And it's like it, – it, But I think the whole thing about, like, Beeline using the first quarter, and I've saw, I saw when we played the Knicks, Fizdale used it super early. I think most coaches have realized, like – well, it doesn't really matter. We're kind of screwed anyways. So I think it's become the equivalent of a coach taking a technical. It's the coach saying to the team, I believe you're right. It's like a free right.
2: timeout. Yeah. Or right. I believe you, yeah, I'm going to review this because I believe in you.
3: Right. I think it's just the same thing as a coach is going up to the ref and swearing in his face. It's just him saying, I have faith in my team. That That's all it's become. I yeah. mean – 22, 23 games into the season, it's become you know a token gesture, and Ooh, it's sad. A I token think gesture. I wouldn't like help. It.
2: Yeah. So, so if we beat the NBA to death, I yes, feel like
1: let's keep going though. They deserve I, it.
2: I feel like okay. What's so? What's one good thing about the NBA right now? Because I feel like we got to talk the, it up a little.
1: I think the talent level actually is really high right now.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with you. <laughs> although I do think it. At the top end, but I do think there's a lot of people sitting on, maybe it's just because I watch the Cavs every night, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of young players that seem really raw, but most of them play for the Cavs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Good thing about the NBA, the 14-second reset, I like it. Oh, yeah, man. I like it. I, I hated like it
2: when it came out, and it is I the like best it. thing ever.
3: Yeah. I have one issue with the 14-second thing. I really don't like if you take a shot with 20 seconds on the clock, it hits the rim, it goes down to 14. I think that's silly. That is silly. That really annoys the hell out of me. Other than that, I think it's great. But that, but it's, it, it would be hard to
2: do the other way. Like, how do you just not reset it till it goes to 14?
3: You just ignore the fact that it hit the rim. Huh. It's not like the rim has a magic trigger that it resets <laughs> it.
2: A <laughs> shot uh, clock decrementer, obviously- if you will
3: obviously someone has to hit the button that's why sometimes they can't tell if it hits the rim and they yeah. don't reset it so yeah. i mean no I but it's like a great rule
2: something. it is it other has that, increased the number of possessions in the final 2 minutes which is fantastic
3: it helps speed up the game in the final yeah. 2 minutes it gives lots of that oh you know just take a clinker the shot a bound it yeah it's that is one thing i really like that they've done recently
2: yeah the other thing that they've Done. I I do feel like the last two minutes is even worse than it ever has been with all the replays. Like, you, like that Cavs game the other day where do, did you recap that one, Ryan?
3: The Orlando game?
2: Yeah, where they just Oh no, that was my uh David. David recapped that one where they just repl- they went to four different challenges in the last two minutes and it took so long. And it's like oh, is the, this I, I
3: really won. worth it? That we kept winning?
2: Yeah, they kept winning them, yeah. but it was also like, is this really worth the time we are investing in this? Yeah. <laughs> they won all yeah, those challenges, to- but yet still they got the goaltend and the foul wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah, and not to mention, yeah, they blew like, oh, well, no, this is a Miami game, so that's not the goaltend oh, okay. one. Sorry. Uh, but... Is that game? There were like 985 blown calls beforehand, which I felt like, you know, when we finally got those four calls in a row at the end was like sort of balancing the scales, but already kind of screwed at that point. Yeah,
2: totally. So, one of the things that I enjoy about the NBA is uh, super petty Chris Paul. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, and his calling out people and getting them texts for checking in with their shirt untucked and winning a game that way. And then getting teched the next two games for having his shirt untucked. Like he is talking <laughs> refs into texts now, which I, you know what? I appreciate a guy that, that needs to win so much. He's a complete douchebag to do it. <laughs> because I have been that person at more than one point in my life
1: you're so. that person today my
3: officiating problem <laughs> officiating shouldn't be the game the game should be getting the ball in the hoop oh I agree with you but also at, I agree least, he's, at least
2: he's competitive at least he's not so tribalist or so yeah. buddy buddy with everybody yeah,
1: yeah I you agree I, I, I like I, that I, that I completely I, agree with
2: I mean yeah so, I, I tell like me that something you, that's uh, working yeah. about the. Yeah, and I'll agree with you, Tom. There is a good talent level in the NBA. Like, I'm amazed how many good players there were from this draft. Yeah, that the Cavs didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: oh, right? Porter's looked good, Although, and I'm, so excited I'm excited about Windler.
2: I'm excited about Windler, and I'm excited about Porter. I mean, I Porter he was is good. the Thad Young of two-handed dunking.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which
3: that's something.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: The other thing I like about Porter's dunks is his dunks are incredibly efficient. Yeah, he, he you know, he'll uh, clutch it or you know fake pump it. If there's someone in the way, and he just puts the stupid ball in the stupid hoop <laughs> as fast as possible. Yeah. He doesn't wind up. He doesn't you know like try and look really cool. He's just athletic and gets it in there and makes sure it goes through. I mean, he's the ultimate efficient dunker.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I like his game a lot. I think he has – he's the best passer of Garland, Sexton, and Sexton and Porter Jr. I right, <laughs> like commented
3: that the other day. I completely agree with you when you said that too. It's like
2: it, – Which is kind of sad. I mean, I think Garland yeah. has possibly that ability. He just – I called him like a month ago. I called him the Bruno Cablaclo of point guards. Like he was the guy that Jay Billis at the draft said he was two years away from being two years away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, that. I feel like he's that guy. Like he just looks like he has so far to go. And then I'm like, well, he's not a great athlete and he's only six one. Why did you draft this guy? I mean well, like if you're not drafting for skill and you're not drafting for athleticism. Like, basically, you drafted this guy because he shot a bunch of half-court shots in a gym.
3: Garland and Porter are kind of like opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah. Because, like, one thing that drives me nuts about Garland is, the, like, when, the, like, three, four seconds are left in the shot clock. In the preseason, he looked like, oh, I don't get rattled. And, you know, he'd still drive and go do something and know how many seconds he had left. But then, when the regular season happens, he keeps doing that. And instead of taking a kinda open three, he'll drive into three guys and make a pass that probably won't work and turn it over yeah. or shoot or, a bad or jump give shot. Give the ball to
2: Tristan Thompson at the three point line with two seconds left.
3: Right, <laughs> and it's but it's all stuff that when he was in high school, it probably worked because his he has a good handle and his herky jerky style could get by high school kids, I'm sure, without fail. And he hasn't totally clicked yet that like, Oh wait, I'm not playing against high school kids or the kind of crappy college teams I played against for four games. And yeah. he hasn't got through his head. Like, Oh, maybe there's something else I could do. Whereas Porter looks like a guy that grew up his entire life playing pickup games against people that are way better than him. Which yeah. Playing in, you know, uh, Crawford's, you know, rec league in Seattle and stuff. He, <laughs> He just has the kind of game of I'm used to people being better than me. Yeah. So what can I get around it? I might screw up, but I at least have an idea, and I'm not just underestimating everybody.
2: Yeah, and I'm also used to playing games where I'm not going to be falling on the ground for foul calls. Right. Uh, absolutely. So I got a two-handed dunk this bad boy. <laughs>
3: right. You'll go into contact and deal with yeah. it. Not just be like, oh, you touched me. Yeah.
2: Oh God! How many times have I watched Colin Sexton do the chop on his arm where he felt like he got fouled? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which he
3: didn't do as much last year. I, I at the beginning of the year I was like, "Oh no, I trust him because he didn't complain too much. He didn't bitch all the time." No, and then he this year is... I'm starting to the point of like, "Yeah, he complains a lot."
2: Yeah, and part of the problem with Sexton is that the Cavs have entitled he and Garland way too much. Like, yeah. The stuff they get away with and don't get benched for is ridiculous. Like, how can you not get benched for? He got blocked four times tonight. He leads the NBA at forty-two blocks against in twenty-three games. That's insane. Get
3: the NBA and in something.
2: <laughs> oh, like how do you just like not bench a guy for doing that? I. It's just you're you're. You're just not creating good habits. I don't know. And he was horrible on defense tonight. uh, Hmm?
3: I feel like Beeline line tried a couple times, and that's where I kind of wonder if there's kind of a directive from above to not... Oh, I
2: totally think there's a directive from above.
3: Because, again, also, all the times that Beeline said, you know, well, we're thinking about changing the starting lineup, and that ends yeah. up being, well, Kevin Love is, has a mystery flu today, so Larry Nance is starting. That's yeah. not a change to the starting lineup. That's just adapting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. No, and it's funny because even I was listening on the radio on the way in, and they're like, well, it sounds like a lot of the Cavs veterans have problems with the new direction of the team. And I'm like – like that's gotta be a talking point that was issued to you because that's ridiculous if you've watched the team, you know.
3: Yeah, it's and honestly, I think Garland would do some good to give him a few weeks in the G League and not as an yeah. insult. I think the yeah. kid is talented and he does have potential, but I think he needs that kind of middle stepping ground of like, okay, here's some players that you can actually get away with some of that on, but they're still <laughs> for high school kids. So kind of work there, get your confidence, and then go up. And I still keep saying, if he can learn to start hitting threes first, the rest of his game will open up. But for yeah. some reason, things bad mid-range shots are the way to get himself going.
2: Which oh, is, he has so many. His floater is my least favorite shot in the NBA. Like, I hate his floater even more than Colin Sexton's.
3: His floater and even his mid-range are these huge rainbows that from yeah. threes work – but from they look grade, like a seventh
2: school? grader playing against high school kids.
3: Yeah, seriously.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So let me go back to Tom, do you Why the NBA sucks? No, why it's good. So Oh, uh, why it's good? I'm I'm going to go back to why it's good. It's um,
3: we're That's why it's good.
2: One of the reasons that it's good is that the East is actually pretty decent this year. I mean, outside of the 8th spot. Like the Nets are in 7th place at 13 and 10. I feel like the Nets are a good team. I mean, even the 8th spot in the West now, like Oklahoma City is 7th in the West at 11 and 12. Phoenix is 8th at 11 and 12. Like the East is actually competitive What do this you year. make
1: of What do you not that any of us are surprised, but what do you make of Boston being really good again, basically swapping Kyrie for Kemba Walker?
2: Um not surprised. As many draft picks as they have, they should be good. You know.
1: But compared to last year.
2: Yeah.
3: Kyrie's better than Kemba, but Kemba's a better teammate. I mean, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. And you have the mix of uh Hayward has had a little more time to recoup from his injury and Hayward doesn't have to play with Kyrie. Yeah.
2: Oh, the other thing I'll there I'll go I'll double down on that. So one of the things I love about the NBA is Spencer Denwitty is the, is the Nets best player right now. Guy, guy they got from the G League, just like the Cavs could have gotten from the G League. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I love about the NBA is so many players are good that were not elite draft picks that basically made themselves into the players that
3: yeah, that's they true. are. No, that is really exciting about the league. I agree. And You can have someone that people can totally whiff on and not expect, and you know, have Kedrick Nunn. Yeah. And show up and be like, "Holy crap, this guy can really play."
2: Yeah. Yeah, i i yeah, that's one thing I like about the NBA. So uh, let's do the same thing for the Cavs. Um, what's one thing you really like about the Cavs right now? And this, uh, this one's probably a little bit harder. <laughs>
1: Um I really like just the Cavs commitment to honoring their franchise. Um with the game I was at, you know, they made a big deal out of Jim Jones's 70th birthday. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Um I like that they, you know, like guys like Mike Snyder have been doing the radio for like 40 years and that it, the 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 team itself feels more like a family maybe than um, it's felt during the LeBron two years, which felt very much like kind of mercenary, yeah. mercenaries. Um, So I like the broadcast team. I like it, it was cool being did there. Did you I mean, see I...
2: that you can't touch this video uh,
3: for the oh, Cavs nineties so night?
2: I don't think I did. Oh, it was no. so good, Tom. You got to check it out. It's hilarious. Okay. They're all into you can't touch this. You saw it, right, answer. Ryan?
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: It was fantastic.
3: I have to believe it. that song became popular in Turkey like five or 10 years ago. <laughs> Jetty looked way too practiced at that dance.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they were doing the hammer dance. So it was fantastic. <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
3: Yeah.
2: No, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, the Kevs. So how was the, um, how was the arena? I loved
1: it. I thought the stuff outside was really well done. It, you know, it, it's got a bit of a museum feel to it. Um, I thought it was great, and, and it the hallways feel wider and cleaner simultaneously. Um, it was a more like intimate atmosphere, probably because there wasn't that many people there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, I, I liked it. It was, it was nice. I thought it yeah, was awesome. well done. I mean, I, I guess the one thing, and I don't want to wade into like Atlanta Hawks territory here, but or I don't want to seem like just really old. But like the entertainment to me, like just wasn't entertaining. So none of the things they did between, you know, at halftime or timeouts, the... yeah, the scream team and the drum team and the
2: did they have gimmicks? the dunkers?
1: No, they, they just I just. But I just didn't find any of it very entertaining. Okay. So that was fine. I mean, I was just talking to my buddy during breaks. Yeah,
2: they. But... It wasn't like I went when Flo Rida was halftime. Uh, that was a highlight of my life.
1: Uh Yeah, I I bet it was.
2: Actually, I'm a big, I'm a closet flow, flow fan. So okay, says, uh, "Good feeling" is on our pump up jam. So every time we go to the basketball game, we got to listen to "Good Feeling." So every time I take my daughters to basketball, we got to listen to "Good Feeling." So very nice. Yeah, it is very nice. So I'll, I'll say one thing I love about the Cavs right now is Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. Uh, probable power forward, starting power forward of the future um is is absolutely tearing it up at 10.7 rebounds and a killer 50% from the field and 37% from 3 um and to go along with a steal and a assist and a half and a half a block a game like he's just be- and he's not like his foul rate right now is the lowest of his career. Like he's only committing seven point five fouls per game, which you remember last couple of years, like that was the one thing he just could not stay out of foul that's trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is no one on the Cavs fouls right now. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like, oh, if I'm in three feet of somebody uh, and they might get a layup, I'm not going to foul them. But other than that, I'm I'm excited to watch him. Um, and, and that's fun. Uh, I feel like he's progressed a ton as a player. Uh, I wish he got to play more. but And I like Kevin it? Porter Jr.'s dunks. What about you, Ryan? Did I mom. lose you? We lost Ryan. I hear him talking in the background. I wonder if David's dog broke into Ryan's house. <laughs> Remember the time David's dog knocked <laughs> yeah. over the <his> speaker? Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah so, anyway, that's that's mine. So, I think I want to hear... Uh, a story that you started telling me the oh other my day gosh. about your porch. Yeah. Oh the, my god! The, the Tom Pestack crazy tales of homeownership. Oh my gosh,
1: man! Yeah, okay. So I've got a big porch, but I've also got a balcony, and they're separate. So the balcony is off of our second story uh, master bedroom. We have like a sliding glass door. It's probably about. 12 feet up in the air, maybe off the, off the ground in, in the backyard. The, the balcony was 10, 10 feet by 10 feet. And right from the outside, when we bought the house, we were like, wow, this is kind of rickety, you know, like it didn't feel like you should have a tap dance party up there or anything like that. But anyway, we, we had our lawn chairs right up against the house, which was probably a good thing. Um, but, as, you know spring turned to summer we didn't go out there very much but we went out there a couple times in the summer and we were like wow this is the just it the railing feels real like it could fall off if you leaned on it and some of the wood was rotting some of the decking and so fall comes and now i'm like yeah some of this is seriously the the decking is just you, you could just punch through it with your hand it's rotting so bad so i thought okay i need to go buy new decking no big deal it's a 10 by 10 deck I went to Lowe's, bought some pressure-treated decking, brought it home, started tearing off the old decking, and then realized, oh, the joists are rotting, at least some of them. I was like, that's not good. you know. And then I'm like, why is this happening? And then I realized, oh, because whoever built this deck was using like drywall screws instead of galvanized screws, <laughs> which was just utterly shocking to me. I like, thought, like
2: okay. to literally save 15 cents a screw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, and
2: probably not even that much.
1: The screws, most of them, I couldn't even like they were corroded. And so your base getting like injected right into the wood, which over time it will rot. And so then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to replace at least like half of the bead, the, the joist. So there, you know, I had to go buy some 10 by 10, um, uh over there they were uh, two by eights were the <laughs> two by eights.
2: So this is very important to the story. The, yeah. The, the so then of this wood.
1: So then I just to then my buddy who's in construction, Jason, comes over and he's like, oh well he's pointing out like the posts that hold it up um on the far side and he's saying like, yeah, they did this wrong because the beams That all of the joists are actually, you know, laying the the joists basically connect at two points. They connect at the ledger right at the house in like hangers and then they uh, connect at the uh, beams that go horizontally across uh, that are connected to the post. And he's like, what they should have done is notched out of the post so that the beam is on top of the post and so that the weight of the whole deck which is going directly onto these two beams is then in line with the posts instead they bolted them to the sides of the posts using screw bolts what now, now first of all screw bolts do not have any shear strength so that's ridiculous second of all they didn't even use galvanized bolts so like a quarter turn with a racket with a, with a ratchet and the head would shear right off like wow. these things were completely rusted out and I just thought, holy crap, the entire weight of this thing was resting on basically six rusted out non-galvanized screw bolts. Like it's, it's lucky no one ever got seriously hurt sitting on this balcony and it, when it collapsed. Yeah. So then my buddy Jason's like, well, the wood still looks good, like the beams are two by twelves and he's like, those look fine. He goes, We'll just take those down off the posts, we'll notch out in the posts, the posts look fine, and then we can reuse pretty much most of that wood and you and so go out and buy new um joists, new two by eights, and buy new decking and then we'll reattach it. And it's like okay fine. So I went up and by myself I took off all these joists. Um, and there, I, I just decided to buy all new ones. So it was fine. So I just got rid of all of them. And then I was waiting for like a warm day when Jason, cause it was going to be a two person job to get it off of, get the beams off of the post. Cause they're huge. They're two by 12. I mean, they're huge.
2: Do <laughs> you mentioned so, a lot of dimensions in the story?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it was a couple of weeks ago we were getting, going to get like a warm Wednesday. So I took off work and he was like, yeah, I'll come over and help you. And, um, you know, so basically we got the first beam off, we both had ladders and we were both resting our ladders against the posts. And so, you know, we got those bolts off really easily cause they were basically completely corroded. And then we, uh, just like kind of one, two, three, you know, chucked the two by 12 off of the post. Fine. So now we're like, okay, we gotta do the other one. And so once again, we're leaning the, our ladders up against these uh, beams. And all of a sudden, the posts start to collapse. And so Jason's post starts collapsing towards me, and my post starts collapsing towards Jason. And he realizes what's happening, and so he like starts to jump off of his ladder, even though he's pretty high up. And I'm watching him fall backwards. And I'm just watching the whites of his eyes thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm going to, like, kill my friend. And I don't even know what happened with my ladder and my post because his post came down and my ladder basically got, like, they, like, held each other up in the end. And I don't know how I didn't get hit right between the eyes with this giant post because Jesus. based on where I was standing and then what the picture looks like after the fact, I was I like, I don't the know. picture." I was like, did I, did I start frantically like going down the ladder as, as everything started to move? I, I couldn't remember because all I remember was watching him and thinking like, oh my gosh. And he could have landed, he could have cracked his skull on any number of really dangerous things. And somehow he miraculously landed in a hosta in our, uh, <laughs> la- in our landscaping and just sprained his ankle really badly. But, Like that fact that that was the worst of it was like, and that I didn't get hurt at all was like a minor miracle. So then he went inside to ice his his ankle and my other neighbor came over and he was like, what the heck's going on? And I was like, oh yeah. And I showed him how it all fell apart and he was like, oh my gosh. And so then the two of us just gently pushed on those posts that were now like in an X formation and they came, they just popped right out of the ground. They were basically in like, Eight inches of landscaping dirt rotting at the bottom. <laughs> Jesus. They weren't. They were in footers. They weren't on footers. It was like,
2: oh my gosh! Like, what? You're lucky no one was hurt. Seriously lucky. Like if yeah. he had hurt himself, he would have a, like a huge homeowner's claim against you. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm trying to scare you or anything, but <laughs> yeah, no. I mean. <laughs> Well, I'm glad everybody... I was joking with them that I don't have workers comp. <laughs> I'm glad everybody's OK. Yeah.
1: So, but yeah, it is crazy, like the shoddy things people will do. Like oh, I talked yeah. to my next door neighbor about it and he was like, oh, yeah, well, because he's like, they don't build the deck or the balcony. They build everything else. And then they have the inspector come in because they don't have to inspect exter- quote unquote, external structures. And so then they're like and then they just rush and throw something together at the very end you know to sell the house and i was like uh that's insane
2: (laughs) yeah well i had a buddy so my buddy my cousin bought a house and like literally is like looking at the wiring in the garage and ran a bunch of extension from the main uh junction box through the sub ceiling um and a bunch of like Power strips to bed. Daisy chained them out to the garage. It's like, which isn't you know a giant electrical and code violation. And like, if you had gotten water in there, you'd probably just burn your house down. So, yeah, I mean, people do crazy stuff on houses, and that's why always get an inspection. You know, and the and this has been dad talk with <laughs> Tom and Nate. <laughs> and I'm sure David will be will be happy with our with our tales of of lawn mowing. Next next week, I will talk about the pressure washer that I bought off Craigslist and was like a three week ordeal over. Anyway, <laughs> the Cavs still stink. Tristan Thompson scored 17 and 11. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson had 19 points, and the Celtics destroyed them. Um, and Kemba Walker had Walker had 22. Jalen Brown had twenty. Jason Tatum had nineteen. Okay, so what were you saying, Ryan? What was it? What was your? You were asking me something about a starting lineup.
3: Oh, so my final question for this should be, yeah, what should be our starting lineup going forward?
2: Uh, I'm I'm gonna say uh, Sexton to the bench, um, Kevin Porter Jr. and um, <sighs> See the problem is is I don't know if I want Sexton and Clarkson on the bench at the same
3: time. <laughs> like that seems like a now, bad th- idea.
2: So now, to be to fair the bench. about
3: Clarkson. Clarkson hasn't been nearly as much of a chucker, especially yeah. over the last handful of games.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Garland to the bench and um Kevin Porter Jr. in the starting
3: lineup. And so what would you call each position then?
2: Uh and then Chetty at the point guard. Chetty, I want to be a primary ball handler, which nobody seems to think is a good idea except me, but whatever. Except for the fact that Beeline keeps
3: giving giving the ball a little bit more and a little bit more, and it tends to work. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the season where he was trying to make him a 3-and-D, which didn't really make sense, but
0: you still don't don't have the ball.
2: I don't understand what he does with Chetty. It doesn't make any sense, but... I mean, whatever. (laughs) The guy got one shot within um, the three-point line today. Like, Chetty almost passes to his detriment, you know,
3: because he he never gets the ball back. Right. Well, he's just so used to playing, you know, the way that he was taught to play. And it's like, from watching him play in EuroLeague and stuff, it's... You know, he'll go through 10, 20-minute stretches where he doesn't really get the ball much, and then he'll score 15 points all at once. But yeah. but that's with a team that least understands what they have with him. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I've given up on believing that Jetty's ever going to really be a star in the NBA, but I do think he's an incredibly valuable role player, and I think they just consistently forget how to use him properly. Yeah,
2: no, I think he certainly could be a quality starter or sixth or seventh man on a decent yeah. team, but yeah,
3: I completely agree.
2: But who knows? I mean, if he got to the right team, like I feel like Chetty Osmond on the Spurs would be awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently they, they would were him. Su- supposedly they were super interested in him The year that we brought yeah, him over. And, and
2: it drives me nuts. Cause I feel like he would make so much more sense as a big guard than he would as a, um, you know, a three and D wing or whatever.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I've been screaming that since, especially at his sophomore year. It was just like, and
2: and people are like, "Well, he turns the the ball over too much." And I'm like, "Well, his assisted turnover ratio is still better than Sexton and Garland." You know?
3: Yeah, and it's and part of the turnover thing. It's just the positions he gets the ball, and sometimes he doesn't get it that often. That he tries to make as much out of it as he possibly can. It's. Yeah, I i am not trying to overestimate him, but it's relying on him for just three and D, which are two of his marginal skills instead yeah. of the things he's really good at is just completely absurd to me. And yeah. it's. Yeah, I don't understand why waste it that way,
2: but yeah, supposedly
3: well, I heard that you thought we should just start Delhi and Clarkson and uh, never.
2: Well, the person won. that it, said that it. is. Has a reading comprehension issue.
3: Oh, notice.
2: I mean, no, I. I, I back, there's no way know. you can start Delhi now. He can't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I it's... mean, I, and funny enough, he led the team in plus minus at plus twelve because at least when he plays, you know that he's going to a screen for other guys, uh, and that's one of the things that drives me nuts. Is Sexton and Garland never screen for each other or anyone else? And
3: oh yeah, so, these are. <laughs> If they even do try,
2: yeah. And at least, I mean, Delhi sets great screens for a guard. He boxes out. Um, he does little things, and he can at least be a competent bench player, even if he literally has zero offense right now. But it's he's more than in something yeah,
3: where he's great for 14 minutes a game.
2: Yeah, he's getting a really nice chemistry with John Henson. Uh, he had a steep, yeah. Although they did play together in Milwaukee, so there is some experience there but i thought henson had a really nice night as a finisher but the fact yeah, he only like had henson's one rebound guessing. was a little problematic sorry
3: yeah well, i was just gonna say i just like henson's passing as well just little things like from the previous game these you know one back and forth with uh porter or yeah. like porter found the basket and then he had a great feed to him and then henson's he has a good eye for passing, and he's not, you know, like a point center or something like that. Yeah,
2: no, but, but he makes the there, correct pass. Yeah, yeah. Also, he's a fantastic rim defender. Like, right, he was, was totally protecting the rim and intimidating Boston from trying to score inside. It was nice to see.
3: Absolutely. Him. And the, when we had him earlier in the season, the what, like eight and a half minutes he played in the game our defensive rating was something absurd, like 77 or something like that. It was like ridiculous. And I I remember watching that game and not realizing he played that short, but the minutes he was in, just people were terrified of him. And he has a thing where a lot of bigger guys, when they're kind of looking for position uh, on offense or defense, they sort of look like they're wandering around looking for where they're supposed to stand because they don't have a lot of space and they're not running and stuff. He just seems a lot springier and lighter on his feet, where his movements seem to have some intent behind them.
2: Yeah, no, he definitely seems like a smart and purposeful player. So it's it's nice to see. Um, The other thing that I was going to mention about this game was that... Uh, I was really, um, I'm concerned for Kevin Love and there was a lot of talk on the live thread, you know, Kevin Love making $30 million a year. You should never be checked out. I, as a person who has suffered from anxiety in the past, uh, and, and I'm not going to ever diagnose anyone, but I certainly feel like Kevin Love is giving off that vibe. Like he just doesn't. He wants to crawl out of his own skin when he's on the court right now. Like, he just doesn't want to be there. He's gone from frustration to just total passivity this game. And they've got to do something. Like, it drives me nuts because, you know, people are... There's a lot of criticism of him right now, but it's also like... You know, you have embraced this guy who's talked about struggling with mental illness and depression and all these things. And when he starts to display these symptoms, you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't tell the guy to be open about it and then say, oh, you're never going to have problems. No, you're going to have problems. And Kevin Love is suffering right now. And they got to figure out something to make the situation better for everybody because there's clearly issues right now. And he does not seem himself so... I'm concerned about him. So I'll just leave it at that.
3: I absolutely agree. And again, as someone that's suffered through similar things myself and have seen countless people I know suffer in silence and sometimes to the ultimate detriment. And it's, yeah, he seems like he's in a situation where he's been trying and trying and trying to fit in and do the right thing and do what he's supposed to do and do what's expected of him. And it, it almost feels like his good nature has been taken advantage of. Yeah. And I feel like he probably feels like his good nature has been taken advantage of. And it's, you know, an amplification of LeBron's fit in or fit out thing of yeah. now where it's like, okay, at least then we were winning. Yeah. And yeah, it's well, typically,
2: and- yeah.
3: Our- because typically, I wouldn't give people a lot of a lot of leeway for you know having kind of pretty bad body language that he has, but I really do understand why, and I really feel bad for him. And it's the first time since he's been here that I could see that maybe a trade's a good idea, and has nothing to do with not wanting Cap- Kevin Love on the Cavaliers. Yeah, it's I respect the hell out of him, and I feel like we're doing him wrong at this point if we yeah. can't figure out a way to better take advantage of his abilities
2: well and and you know and he's kind of the scapegoat too like it's just not a healthy situation at this point (laughs) so and, and to me like it's ridiculous that you are catering to your gm and to your last two draft picks not trying to build your team around your $30 million star. Like, it's ridiculous on multiple levels. Like, if you do want to trade him, you're making him look terrible right now with the way you're playing, and you can't get him the ball in spots that make sense for him to have the ball. Um
3: Absolutely. And Kevin Love, it, it it's easy to, especially because he took a backseat to LeBron and even Kyrie when he was here, it's easy to pretend Kevin Love is, like, a sometimes all-star. But he has at least a couple of records in his playing time that yeah. only a couple of the people have. He, him, and Dwight Howard are the only people in the NBA right now that have ever had the thirty and thirty game. Uh, him and Clay Thompson have the two highest scoring quarters ever in NBA history. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's just like doesn't well, he, he have had the
2: record good. for like the most consecutive fifteen rebound games?
3: That, i'm not sure i yeah I he's got something it. around that Yeah, but in you know, he has the highest scoring first quarter in nba history i yeah. mean this isn't a guy that just kind of was a pretty good player and lucked into some good situations yeah and no. yeah he's almost universally agreed to have been like the best outless passer since his godfather yeah. wes is middle names after and it's like the guy has a legitimate place in nba history And just to misuse him to the point where he looks like an average role player that can play well, it's not him screwing up there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Kevin's the one that signed up for this. But the other side of it is the Cavs signed up for Kevin. You know, the Cavs knew that he had the mental health issues, that he was going to struggle at times. And that also, you know, if you sign a guy to a $30 million contract or to a $120 million contract, you know, you're kind of making a giant investment in the guy. And maybe you should build around that investment rather than building around, you know, tiny point guards. So
3: Right. (laughs) And Tyree and then LeBron lost. You know, he wants to be here. And when Kevin Love has had trade rumors about him since like practically the second he stepped on the court, he stayed here. I I mean, he's definitely held up his part. And if we're going back to our conversation earlier about people trying to get their bag or trying to set up their own team, this is a guy that decided, you know, he wasn't happy in Minnesota, but he came here and he decided he was going to be here. And he's really down on that. I mean, that's something that any of us that are complain about the other side of the NBA have to respect the hell out of. of yeah, the guys and that
2: that, yeah, and yeah they paid him a lot of money, but there was a lot of teams that would have paid him, you know.
3: Right. And he took a team friendly deal where he's paid up front and loses money every year, so it's yeah. more friendly as the team's trying to go forward to compete. Yeah. I mean, little things like that do matter.
2: Yeah, but and, and the other side of it is, you know, it it was a good deal for both sides. But you know the Cavs need to do more. It, 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 this starting lineup just is horrible for everyone, and I don't know why they're doing it. It's just, it's madness. Anyway, um, just, you got anything to pitch? Because this podcast is ridiculously long in the tooth.
3: I knew I know I had something like earlier today to pitch, ah, so but so I, 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 I'm trying to think of it, and I can't. Know. Uh, I, I'll pitch uh Cavs a blog, pure since 2000.
2: <laughs> fresh since two thousand nine, I think. Yeah, okay. or two thousand eight. Okay, fresh and pure, fresh and pure. Wow, that's a that's a lot of uh, it's <laughs> a lot of adjectives. Um, and oh god, I had something I wanted to pitch, but I'm gonna pitch the new Leonard Cohen album, the posthumous Leonard Cohen album. Um. Really good. If you're a Leonard Cohen fan, he died a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the yeah, I get group-
3: to see him once or twice when I worked at the Beachland. Oh
2: man, you you you're making me angry. You used to work at the Beachland?
3: Yeah, for five and a half years.
2: Oh, what were you a bartender?
3: Yeah, I lived oh, down. I
2: probably bought a bar plate. from you or a beer or three from you because I use I us- I would usually go to four or five shows a year, so.
3: Okay. Yeah. I, well, and even if I wasn't one, I was there all the time because I literally lived like a block and a half away.
2: Okay. Nice. Yeah. No. That's my absolute. That's what I'll pitch. The Beachland Ballroom is the absolute best place to see a concert in Anchor in uh, in Cleveland. So.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And they've yeah. been struggling lately, I know as well, because they actually try and pay their acts, and they actually, you know, keep their prices down as much as they can. And they're good people that support local. Yeah. Uh, um, Local nonprofits like Arts Collinwood and Northeast Shores to put in local theater companies and galleries. There's a lot to support there. The Beach and Ballroom is definitely worth. Uh, I heard Music Saves uh, opened back up. I didn't even know they closed. God, I oh feel yeah, ter- they
2: were closed for like two years. Yeah, oh,
3: and they were so only sad.
2: selling like oh. records at like uh, like events and like flea markets and online, and then now. But I guess they're opening up certain days a week now. So. Anyway, That's really but the new good. Leonard Cohen yeah, album is called too. Thanks for the Dance. So it's it's really good. And actually check out any of Cohen's studio albums since or since 2012. They're all really good.
3: Or um, since ever. Huh? I said or since ever.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I I don't love all his albums. Some of them are a little well, weird. I,
3: but... Just in general saying he has a good catalog.
2: Yeah, no, he does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and as always, <laughs> go Cavs. <laughs> Tom is the the Skype ringtone like one of your favorite industrial sounds.
1: Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> I am partial to the the mid '90s Windows sounds, like Windows '95 and '98. I thought they had some pretty cool sounds. Oh yeah, like like the, the startup it shut down and shutdown and all chime. that kind of
2: stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I used to uh, I used to just like sit and like and then everybody would customize their startup and shut down
1: oh like, heck yeah heck yeah it was and, actually like fun to turn on and off your computer <laughs> i
2: Back remember when... one of my one of my best one of my favorite simpsons uh waylon smithers uh startup sound was mr burns saying oh smithers you're very good at turning me on <laughs> <laughs> yes that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No. <clears throat> um so did you watch tonight or did you just Hell no pull the Tom and and ride, ride the box score?
1: Yeah, ride the box score. Uh, yeah. you're my you're my update now.
2: <laughs> As I just complained throughout the game.
1: Well I I it's my my emotional opinion of the Cavs is they're fun because I watched them a lot at the beginning of the season. And then the game I went to against the Bucks, they played a very spirited they second did, half yeah. and made it interesting. And I haven't seen any of these, like, 80-point beatdowns since. So as far as I'm concerned, everything's fine. And Kevin Love's not pouting. And, you know, Colin Sexton is fun. And But I read your article, and when I saw and it, and it totally 100% serious, like, i really like to get Jordan Clarkson more minutes. I thought, oh God.
2: <laughs> what <it's>, is
1: happening? <laughs> it's, it's gotta be so bad.
2: Oh, wow. Bojan Bogdanovic just beat the Rockets with a buzzer beater.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Dude, how crazy is it that there was like so many
2: four different shots in the last 12 seconds to, as oh, a lead he's on, back and
1: forth. he's on Utah, right?
2: Uh, no, that's Bogdan.
1: Oh, Bogdan. Oh, John's no. the weird, the weird-looking dude, right?
2: Yeah, I guess it wasn't Bogdanovich; it was Bielicha. <laughs>
1: oh, got another guy, yeah. another Ben, another Ben Worth All Star.
2: Yeah, that's right. Euroleague All Star, uh, and uh, of course, Harden is super pissed. <laughs> <Harden>. <laughs> like, how do you give up a three when you're down? When you're up two, with one second left? Like, that's hey, the one shot you can't give up. You got a, You got a foul. yeah. Well, not with one second left because there's too little time like you'll you'll knock you'll give them Oh, cuz
1: he'll three definitely shoot it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Anyway. He
1: just can't let him get open.
2: No. No, you got it. you <laughs> exactly. So Cavs tonight, it was uh it was a rough one after probably one of the worst losses of the last couple years, um I would say Sunday night or no Saturday night in uh in Philly, and the Cavs were somewhat fortunate that most of the viewing public was watching the Buckeyes.
1: Yeah, who <laughs> almost depressed a lot of us, but that was quite a second half they had. Yeah,
2: it was a good game. I mean, you almost like if you are a Buckeyes fan, you almost like them being tested a little like that.
1: A little, know? yeah, because you got to be ready for really good teams now.
2: Yeah, even the though the ridiculousness of the college football season is that if you struggle a little bit. Against yeah. a team a you team. can lose your ranking. It's,
1: yeah, that is that is kind of crazy when you think yeah. about it. And I mean I, I mean LSU obviously destroyed Georgia, so that's a great win, but they were playing cupcake teams the last three weeks and Ohio State yeah. was grinding out battles against Big Ten rivals, so
2: <laughs> Yeah. The problem is is people hate the Big Ten. So
1: they do. They do, yeah. Yeah. Well, they. Big Ten hasn't done itself any favors the last couple of years, getting like curb stomped in bowl games. So, well, yeah.
2: So we, we. It feels like we're talking about anything but everything the
1: Cavs, but the Cavs. What's well, a defense mechanism? Come on. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I, um, yeah. You're, 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 you're. Post was very cathartic. I I, I love because I just watched The Irishman the other day. So I haven't said, even
2: seen it. I just know. No, it's Oh, you long. haven't.
1: Yeah, it, it is long. It is long. The
2: criticism I heard of The Irishman is basically it should have been a four part miniseries.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean,
2: yeah, I I haven't seen it, so I don't know.
1: I watched it in two stints. Like I watched, I watched most of it, and then I, I had like an hour left, and then I watched the last hour. I mean, my. I guess my criticism would be, to me, it was, I don't know, a little anticlimactic. I don't know. It was just, like, it's all—it's pretty much all kind of the, a story building up to a point, and then that happens, and then it just kind of, I won't spoil it, but then all of a sudden they flash way forward, and it's just kind of like a real quick, well, here's what happened to all these people, but I don't know, it just, it felt a little disjointed to me, hmm. the way it ended. But I did like it. I mean, it was no, really good. Really, really good acting for sure. And the interesting part about it was, I figured, oh, great, another Scorsese like mob movie. This is going to be just like hyper violent, and it's going to be like sick to your stomach. And it really wasn't. It wasn't like glorified violence at all. It was much more. Just, I mean, people die and stuff, but it wasn't. <laughs> it 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 really wasn't like dramatized at all. I don't know how to explain it. It was not like a mobster movie. It was not like Goodfellas or anything like that.
2: Thank you for listening to Tabs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger.
0: There's a fire.